a great story out of Florida that I kind of uh, uh, talked about a little bit, not at length, last week was this Florida bartender credited with saving two women from a customer who basically was clueless, refused to get the hint. Ladies, you've been there before, right? I mean, just like an overly aggressive person, maybe he's had a couple too many to drink, not reading the signals, not even the obvious signals. That we're not interested. We just don't want to be offensive to you. So we're being polite, but it's kind of like read the room, guy. We're not interested. So this is what's going on at uh, this bar in Florida. And instead of calling uh, attention to the tense situation, the bartender handed one of the women a slip of paper that appeared to be a receipt. And in it, it read, if this guy is bothering you, put your ponytail on your other shoulder and I will have him removed because he's giving me the creeps. So apparently the women shared this uh, bartender's quick thinking on Twitter, got a lot of likes. But more importantly, uh, she moved her ponytail over to the other shoulder. And the man literally was asked to uh, get away from the women. He was aggressive. And the patrons uh, basically accused the bartender then of being aggressive. And he said, well... Um, you'll need to leave because you're aggressively hitting on them. So he was kicked out. And then apparently the bartender said uh, the guy decided to come back to the bar the next week. And he said, no, 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 you're not coming back in this establishment. Like we don't need your kind. Julie Lalonde is a public educator, activist and author joins the show. She has been hosting a series of um, free classes on Zoom. They're bystander intervention training sessions. I love this. Julie, welcome to the show. It's good to have you on. Good morning. So this story out of Florida, I mean, it, it was a quick thinking bartender that decided, you know, not to make a scene, but to help these women out. And you teach a class on the three D's of bystander intervention. Do you want to walk us through what we could all be looking for when we think somebody might be uh, in need of our services? Well, the good news is there's actually five Ds. So there's five tools that folks can use to intervene and only one of them is direct. And that's really the core of our work at Hollaback around bystander intervention is moving away from that idea that your only option is to confront the harasser. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I love this story about what happened in Florida because it was effective, but it wasn't confrontational. Um, And that's really the core of the five Ds. So things like distract. So creating a distraction by spilling something nearby, maybe stumbling, dropping something, which then allows the victim to engage with you, maybe help you get back up, help you clean up your stuff. uh, And in doing so can ignore the harasser and then get out of that situation. Um, Similarly, just striking up a conversation with someone who looks like they're being targeted, who looks like they're uncomfortable. And what's great about that one is when you talk to young women, I mean, I know from my experience, and I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure you've seen this when you're a woman at a bar, especially when you're young, like I've befriended so many women I don't know (laughs) and like (laughs) pretended they were my bestie because I could tell that they were being aggressively hit on and they were uncomfortable. So just going up to someone and being like, oh my God, Cheryl, how are you? Or asking them for directions or, you know, if it's happening on transit, ask them, I'm looking to get off at this particular stop. And in doing so, the person being harassed can chat with you and ignore the harasser. And that's key. What usually happens in that situation? Do you notice the harasser kind of backs off? It's been a while since I've been to a bar. Yeah. It's so, been I mean, a while they, since anybody's been to a bar, come to think of yeah. it. But. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the, the point of bystander intervention, like the myth 
is that people think your your whole role, your job is to show up there and go toe-to-toe with this harasser and really confront right. them and teach them a lesson. Um, but what we know is actually safest is just getting victims out of that situation. So it is effective. We know when folks strike up a conversation with someone who's giving that, that look, like those eyes of like pleading, please help me. Um, they recognize, oh, this person's talking with me. This is a great excuse. I can then use this opportunity to get off the bus, to walk away, to just say, oh, I'm just going to grab another drink and then get the heck out of there. Um, so it is really, really effective. But what's also important is that it's safe. Uh, so often people think bystander intervention is so dangerous that that's why they don't get involved. But it's because right. they often only think of confrontation and they don't think creatively about other options. It's another D, diffuse. You can throw a six in there. I actually had a situation. It wasn't at a bar, but it was at a neighbor's house once. And her neighbor was had clearly had too much to drink, was one of those neighbors that doesn't can't read the yard that he wasn't in or invited to at the time. There's a bunch of women hanging out. And he decided to invite himself over. And I basically had to look at him and go, I'm really sorry, but I'm going through a divorce right now. And it's really emotional time for me. And that's why I'm here, if you don't mind. And he was like, oh, 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 sorry. I wasn't going through a divorce. Everything's all good. Yeah, I just sent my yeah, mother into a tizzy. Of- She's listening to the show, probably going, "What?" <laughs> You're like, "Everything's fine." Yeah, that's another yeah. example of distract. So, engaging folks in conversation, um, you know, making up an excuse for having to need to get that person out there. I mean, yeah. we have one classic example yeah. that we use of someone going up to someone at the gym and saying, "Like, hey, are you ready to go?" And she knew she wasn't. You know, we're not yeah. friends, but yeah, she was like, "Yeah, yeah, just let me grab my water bottle." So, like, so many subtle things that folks are already doing. But mm-hmm. it's just a matter of being conscious of it uh, and getting that training so you can think quickly on your feet. Because oftentimes we see this stuff happen and we freeze, right? We're just like, ah, I don't know what to do. And so the, the purpose of training is to teach people tools, but also just to get them thinking creatively about what they can do um, that's still going to keep them safe. Distract with kindness. What's, what do you mean by document? So document is something that we encourage folks to do in tandem with something else. But that is using your phone to either take a video or photograph of what's going on, which then your goal, your sole purpose is to then put that documentation into the hands of the victim for them to decide if they want to use it to file a report, maybe with the TTC or with the police, or if they want to post it on social media and talk about their experience of sexual harassment or racism on public transit. Um, So the goal with document is to just really create evidence because we know that so often when we speak about our experiences of harassment, people don't believe us. You know, mm-hmm. people think there's no way that happened or you must have misread the situation. So to have a complete stranger be like, no, I saw that. Here is proof that it happened. You know, do with that what you would like is really powerful and really effective. How hesitant are people to, to whip out their phones and document something like that? Because uh, you, you, if somebody's being overly aggressive, I would imagine there are some people that would feel like, oh, okay, this this is going to stir the pot here, and now the aggression will come my way. Like, are, are people doing this covertly, or is the fact that they have the phone out actually stopping things? So we always tell folks to trust your instincts. So if you don't feel safe or you fear that taking a photo is going to just escalate the situation, then we wouldn't encourage folks to do that. Um, but we have seen that, unfortunately, people are often very, very keen to only whip out their phone. And they think their purpose is, you know, they're going to start streaming live. Like we've seen horrific things that people just started streaming live on Facebook, um, that people posted on Reddit. It's like, oh my God, look at this crazy thing that happened. Um, so I don't actually see a lot of hesitancy when it comes to recording. I see a lot of overly enthusiastic people who are not doing it the right way. 
right. think that they're going to take this footage and go viral. Um, so what we say to folks is if you're going to record, remember, your goal is to put that in the hands of the victim. So doing things like saying the date and time aloud. So it kind of timestamps the video. Super helpful. Filming street signs or if there's like a landmark anywhere nearby to show location. Like if you're going to document, do it effectively so that when that person has that video, they can decide what they want to do with it afterwards, which can include reporting it to police. Yeah. And you're also respecting people's privacy. You're respecting the victim's privacy in this situation. Exactly. And too often people think they're making a political statement by, you know, starting to live stream. But again, you are a witness to someone's traumatic event. Like I wouldn't want someone to just put that on blast if I was being sexually harassed on the TTC. Like, of of course, I don't want that to go viral. Um, And so again, remembering your job when you're a bystander is to be an ally to the victim and help them get out of that situation. And if you can't, to give them as much ammunition as you can for them to be able to tell their story and to be believed. So, Julie, you said there's five Ds of bystander intervention. We've been through distract. We've been through document. Have we uh, been through, uh, we've been, is direct? Have we already been through that yeah. or, or, okay. And uh, delegate yeah, and delay so are the have, ones that we need to do. Yeah. So delegation, again, has to be done in a very particular way. So your goal isn't just to pick up the phone and call the police right away. There's a lot of things that we can diffuse and de-escalate at the community level that does not require police intervention. So we really want to, if you feel like you absolutely have to call in on one, always checking in with the victim first to ask if they're okay with that. But How do you do that, though, if, if they're in the middle of it? You absolutely can. We, we've seen it happen many, many times, right? Even if there's a screaming match, asking, like, do you want me to call the police? Like, we've seen it work. Um, And we also know that, again, when it comes to delegation, you can also delegate to another bystander. So a thing I hear a lot is women who witness harassment, but they're like, I have my kids with me. Like, I don't Mm want to intervene. I have my kids with me. I don't want to get them um, in harm's way. So delegation can be a really great way of, you know, when you're getting off the bus with your kids, just alerting the driver or turning to someone else that you see on the sidewalk and saying, look, I can't check in on her because I have my kids with me. But like, can you just like ask her if she's okay or call for help or just stick around and watch what's going on. But I can't because I have my kids with me or, um, you know, if you use a mobility scooter to get around and you don't have the physical capacity to go over and check in on someone, even just turning to another bystander and being like, do you see that? Like, I feel like we need to do something about that um, is effective because we know it really kind of thaws people out of their bystander effect kind of freeze response where we all collectively just freeze and stare at what's happening. But we know that if someone assigns you a task you are more likely to intervene because you feel implicated in the situation. Mm-hmm. So delegation, you're, you're, you're involved. A lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're in this with me too. Yeah. Okay. So the final D is what? Delay. So delay is when you wait until the moment has passed and then you check in with the person being targeted just to see if they're okay. If they want you to wait with them while they call for help, even just letting them vent. Um, this is a really effective one for people that are really marginalized. If you are petite, really non-confrontational, young, like when I work with young women, I tell them, you know, it might not feel safe to get in there while it's going on. But the second it feels safe for you to go up to them, maybe, you know, after the creep gets off the bus or something like that, just going up to that person and saying like, I saw that. Are you okay? Like, mm-hmm. do I want to sit here with you? Do I want me to walk with you somewhere? Really, really powerful way to make people feel supported but also keeping us safe when we are ourselves so at risk of being harassed. So Julie, you've been hosting this series of free bystander intervention training sessions via Zoom. Uh, what, what made you, what motivated you to, to uh, offer these free classes? 
So I've actually been working to uh, teach folks bystander intervention for close to 20 years. And I piloted this project in Paris a few years ago. Uh, it's funded by L'Oreal Paris. Um, we had this great grand plans to launch in 2020. And then the old pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. And so we had to go back to the drawing board and make it a webinar. Um, and so I have been, we were really, you know, oh, I don't know if people are going to want to sign up. You know, Zoom fatigue is very real. But we have been blown away by the level of interest in the training. Um, my goal was to train 5,000 people um, within eight months. Um, and we've reached almost that goal within a little over three months. So we see that folks are really, really invested in this. And unfortunately, it's because we've seen a rise in street harassment throughout the pandemic. We know we've seen lots of anti-Asian racism, Islamophobia. We also know that one in three women around the world has been sexually harassed in public just since the pandemic began. Uh, and so we know that folks are thinking about the new normal and getting back out in the streets. And so I think people are just being really conscientious now of what does it mean to be out in public? I'm never going to take that for granted ever again. And so I think it's forced a lot of privileged people to think about, hey, I've been really awful over the past year. Like I've been feeling not great because I've been deprived of public spaces, of being in crowds, of being part of my community. And so therefore, imagine all the people in my community who feel unsafe every time they leave their house and it has nothing to do with COVID and everything to do with racism, sexism, homophobia. And so I think there's been a, an awakening that's been mm -hmm. really beautiful to see. Um, and I know it by the amount of men that are taking the training. I was I just going to ask that. Men. What's yeah. your split gender-wise? Yeah. Uh, I'd still say it's probably 60% women, um, but definitely more men coming out to these trainings than any of the work I've ever done in the 20 years of my career. Uh, and a level of enthusiasm across the board. I mean, I have parents... A lot of dads saying, you know, I watched this with my 13-year-old son. And a lot of grandmothers who are like, I'm 75 and I took this training and I'm so delighted to know that there's something I can do, even though I don't have the same mobility I did, you know, 40 years ago. Like the real variety of folks that are showing up. And I do believe it's just, it's the conditions of the pandemic has really made people have to think about what it means to be out in public, you know, because we're conscientious of it in a way that many of us have never been before. Yeah, we want community. We are yeah. hungry for community. We want to be part of it. We want to make sure that our interactions moving forward are positive because we just have been salivating for these interactions for so yeah. long. You know, I'm just, I just absolutely love your, your idea for this series of, of bystander intervention training sessions. I, I recall the more we've been talking, the more I think about what I used to do when I was in my twenties, cause I'm, I'm a smaller woman. So I'd be, you know, out with friends or you'd be waiting at a bar or something, waiting for a friend's gone to the bathroom and, if somebody was overly aggressive with me, I would actually like, I, I already sussed out men. You know, it's interesting that you brought up men that I would do the whole doopy thing with, but I would, I would initiate it. I'd be like, Oh, sorry. I go, they gotta go. Hey, Pete, how you doing? And I'd run over to a guy that looked like he was going to help me out. But in doing that, uh, you know, you could put yourself in danger as well because you don't know who you're kind of leaning on. Not that all guys, because my experiences were great. You know, men were yeah. eager to help out. They could spot a creep as well. And if you wanted help, they they do it. So I love that, you know, this is putting power back in our hands. I know what to do. I know how to look at people if something happens now. Um, where can people go to find this lesson? Because I'm guessing you're still teaching them. Yeah. So uh, our next session is actually the evening of July 7th, 6 p.m. Eastern. And we're actually partnering with a Toronto-based community organization to bring uh, a training, an English training. 
So if folks check out Hollaback Ottawa, uh, we are hosting these trainings for all Canadians. Um, and they are typically either an hour or 90 minutes. They're available in English and in French. Uh, it's a free Zoom webinar, but it's in, and it's super interactive, but your cameras and microphones are muted. Awesome. Uh, so for people who are like really tired of staring at their own reflection, you don't have to, <laughs> but you still can, you know, it's still very, very interactive. Um, and I really have been seeing an incredible amount of parents bringing their 12, 13 year olds. I'm having some really Amazing. great conversations about street harassment. So everyone and anyone is welcome to attend and we can have up to 500 people per session. So invite everybody, you know, <laughs> um, you know, to just spend an hour to learn how to be a member of a community, how to care about folks that you live with and how to make this, you know, two shot summer, a safe one. Julie, before I let you go, what's the biggest lesson you've learned through, through teaching this series of uh, bystander intervention training sessions? That most folks, what they're really lacking is confidence. Uh, they want to help. Uh, they kind of have an idea of how to help, but they don't feel emboldened to do so because in our culture, we're just so actively discouraged to just mind your own business. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's, it's really heartening to see that people care. They want to do the right thing, but they just need permission. And so really a lot of the training is just me giving them permission to trust their instincts. And I think Amazing. that is really beautiful because I think, yeah, they started off on the right foot and that gives me so much hope. Julie, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. We'll podcast this so people can find uh, the information and, and find out where to take your next class. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Cheers. Julie Lalonde, public educator, activist, and author. She is hosting a free series uh, of a free bystander intervention training sessions via Zoom. And I know that Danny, our new producer of the show, took it. And a uh, big thumbs up from Danny. So a little recommendation from one of the members of the Kelly Cotrera Show.